Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us today on this special day, November 2nd. A very important day because it means you need to vote for the Songs of Halloween bracket that we did last week and the Halloween episode with the Of The Show gang and we just posted the enhanced version of the episode for you to check out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash there it is. Brother of the show put some fun stuff in there for you to check out, but you can get the bracket on the website. So be sure to vote today, November 2nd, on what songs you think are the best for Halloween. Okay, so be sure you do that. It's an important day. It's your civic duty. Let's just call it that. Let's call it a civic duty for you to vote for Songs of Halloween. So go do that bracket. Make sure you go to thereitispod.com and get educated on the Songs for Halloween. Do that bracket. And then listen to this fun episode we have today. It is with all-around star Jackie Skinner. She is uh, in New York City writing, performing, Doing, she's doing it all. And we talk about all of that and also how the pandemic has affected our comedy pursuits. Let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Jackie Skinner. But it may have been late 2019 that we last saw each other. Holy I mean, moly. yeah, so two years. Yeah. Then, right? Holy. Yeah. I mean, I don't recall if I saw you right before the pandemic. So it's not. Nice. Well, you, you haven't aged. Flesh. You haven't aged a, a year. <laughs> and you you have gotten younger, I can tell. Yeah. So. yeah. It's the Zoom felt it's the Zoom filter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um are you from Boston originally? Yeah, this is a wonderful question. Um from Waltham, Massachusetts, so the greater Boston okay. area. But everyone in my family was born in uh at Mount Auburn Hospital in Cambridge. Okay, I was I was looking at all the different comedy things you've done, and I was like, have you also lived in Chicago? Because you've done stuff in Chicago. You did you learn sketch at Second City? Oh my God, it's such it's such it's been a roller coaster, Jason. Um, I learned uh, how do I even want to begin? I didn't officially start doing comedy until I lived in San Francisco. So I like graduated from school. I never thought that I could pursue. Com- I, it just never but you was clearly loved it you clearly oh, loved it as a kid and we're hundred child performer yeah 100%. at least around the house <laughs> oh sure 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 uh uh my college essay this is i should really find this but my college essay i wrote about dancing in the kitchen and it was it was so cheesy but it was like because me and my sister used to like put on like performances do choreography in the in our kitchen and then my parents would like sit at the table and watch and so my college essay was like oh i can't wait to perform in the kitchen of life which which is 
college or something like that. It like mapped it to performance. So yeah, a hundred percent loved it. And my family or my mom put me in like opera class or opera camp in second grade. So there were all these little performance outlets, but I never knew. I don't know that I loved performing as much as I loved making people laugh because it was oh, okay. like, uh, I don't know. I guess it's the trope of like, um, not that you're bullied, but maybe you're not like the most popular kid in school. And it was like, oh, what my ticket to ride was making people, people laugh. You know what I mean? That's how I can get away with it. But yeah. So moral of the story is when I graduated college, I moved out to San Francisco and I was like, oh, I'll be a California girl and like pay off all my student loans by getting a little tech job and mm -hmm. um, hated it, hated everything. And mm. uh, before I, I had made the decision to move to Austin, but before I was like, let me do everything I, I never did and took stand up classes. It, there was a wow. place called SF Comedy College. And it was just like some guy rented a classroom and was like, I had done a few sets of the punchline i can i can talk about this um mm -hmm. we had like our little workbook and then started learning how to write jokes and i was not proud of the joke. I like I would never. I've hidden my set on YouTube and all that stuff. It was like very embarrassing. Um, mm -hmm. but I was good at it. Like people laughed. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep doing that. But that's how I get started. And then I moved to Austin, oh, wow. Texas, and did some stand up there and then got into improv and musical improv. Um and then in while Austin. I was down in Austin, yeah. Where at in Austin? Uh my, my main the main digs were hideout um hideout taught, them, yeah. yeah they're on on congress they're like right in the middle of town um was the hideout yes the hideout and then while i was there there was also the institution theater and cold town were the other big ones and i've definitely heard of institution yeah 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 and then not fall i think there was I think it's called Fallout today, but there was another one. Um, it was it, I met someone at like a free class in Cold Town, Katie Matthews, and we're like, you know what? Let's sign up for a class together. And the the next upcoming class was at Hideout, and so we're like, let's do it. And so that's how I fell into that theater. But they teach a lot of narrative improv. Like their their bread and butter is like doing an hour long improvised Chekhov show or improvised <laughs> Disney or improvised um Shakespeare that that kind of stuff so I learned improv in a way that was very um uh, how do I say this like thinking about the what's going to happen like think about the rising action think about like what a storyline is and I think mm. by the time I came to Magnet where I know where we both perform that was stuck in my brain which is good for musical improv right because you know right. that you have to create an arc but for regular improv <laughs> i don't know i don't know that it served me i mean no no poo poo <laughs> on on hideout but yeah yeah, yeah. So no that's i totally I get what you mean though because if it's improv to develop sketch that's great yes um but uh and and like you said it's great for musical improv but if you're doing you know, any other kind of improv where they're just saying, just go with whatever happens. It's, it, it can really stall a player to think like, oh, this is what I was hoping it, the direction would 100%. go in and now it's not. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like, yeah. oh, if I'm building this character thinking that this, or trying to set my character up or someone else's character up for some sort of arc, which is also 
probably not what they taught me, but that's when I realized, oh, I, I got writer brain, so maybe I should do sketch and not well, improv. Oh, okay. I was wondering how, because, yeah. you know, I knew that you did all these. I knew you did stand-up improv, musical improv sketch, but I was trying to figure out how, how sketch came into it and even yeah. how you ended up in Austin doing improv. What, what brought you to Austin? Oh, my God. So I really disliked San Francisco. It just wasn't for me. I... Mm. I'm an East Coast lady, and I think when I moved to San Francisco, I thought it was going to be like San Diego. So the first time I went out, it wore flip-flops, and then I was like, oh, uh, if you've ever been to San Francisco, it's very cold. And so my move to Austin was, hey, I want to go somewhere warm, and I still want to do comedy. Um, mm -hmm. And it was... It, and I was able to do it with my with my tech job or my uh, my nine to five. So that's why I chose Austin. Um, I and then, yeah, from there, the the friend who I had met in um, Austin, me and her went for two weeks to Second City and we're like, you know what, let's try. Let's do an intensive. And so that's what we did. We did. And that was my introduction oh. to, to the sketch world was sketch one on one sketch 201 and then to improv um classes too yeah and even then i was like i don't know if this is my the sketches i wrote were horrible it was like what do i know it's like oh my mom was an aerobic instructor instructor wouldn't it be fun if there were three aerobics instructors and they were wacky <laughs> it's like, oh that's that's not enough to carry to carry a sketch um but then from there i moved to new york and when i got to new york i wanted to do musical improv because i didn't I didn't think I was as good at <laughs> sketch as I was. And so I, I did, I did musical improv when I got to, to New York and then got to a point where I had worked so hard and spent so many hours and so much time doing improv and just didn't have like a love for it that, uh -huh. that I did for, for stand up. So that's when I started doing sketch. I had auditioned for a sketch team. I got on a sketch team and I was like, oh, this is, I can work on making something perfect. I think, mm. or not, not perfect, but I can take something, an idea and try to make it better, which is also when I realized I was a little bit type A, um, cause I thought oh. I was such a, ch a chill girl, <laughs> 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 nothing like wanting to control an improv scene and right. doing stuff to make it perfect <laughs> to realize that you're a type A person, but yeah. And how did you end up in New York? Same thing. I had an opportunity to move and I knew that I wanted to, Austin got really small, really fast. And I, I loved doing comedy, but I didn't, I wanted to be in a, in a bigger, a bigger hub where I'm learning from new people, learning from different styles. So I was gunning for uh, Chicago and um, a role at my company opened up in New York. So I was like, you know what, let's go for New York. And oh. yeah, that's, I knew that I wanted to be in a, a or work where there was a, a comedy hub, but never made i didn't make enough money to like quit i always want to like quit my job try to do something creative full-time but i i couldn't do it i think that's the dream or that's like the image that is presented to you that to be a successful artist you have to dedicate like all your time to what you're doing um but i think the only way i was able to make the like moves like that happen and still do comedy on the side was by having a a nine, a nine to five the entire time how did sketch become a part of it at io no, not IO, but uh, uh Second, Second City. City. Yeah. So I had taken a course there or a class and I was so bad that I was like, this isn't for me. So I took a step back from it and then it I didn't officially really dive into sketch until I wanna say 2015, 2016, when I had auditioned for a magnet team and I realized, oh, you know what? Improv I love doing musical improv. I, I enjoy improv, but I find myself 
like not having anything to show for my work. And I really wanted to take these ideas and, and work and make them a little bit better. So that's how I mm. kind of decided or like transitioned into the sketch world. Okay. And so you took the full curriculum at Magnet. I actually, I don't know that I took, you know what I did is they had um the moxie which is moxie a sketch lab is cool, yeah yeah for for uh, uh female identifying non-binary folks and that's was my first inter introduction to sketch but i don't i didn't take one writing class at magnet i think i did all my sketch writing at um sketch writing and character classes at ucb and that's oh okay and i guess you also did some stuff at the pit Oh my gosh. You have a better memory for me, Jason. <laughs> yeah. What did I do at the pit? Improv. I did majority okay. improv classes. Yeah. yeah. I see. Okay. And then uh, uh, like spanning across everything I did, uh, my, I used it as an excuse to travel. So I did a lot of festivals. So it was mostly stand-up festivals and then secondarily, um, sketch i think tra yeah traveled with sketch traveled with some improv teams and then right at right what is it winter 2019 into like beginning of 2020 i had started to take uh, i wrote a one person show and had started mm -hmm. to take it around and then forget it that that was it everything shut down and yeah beginning of march and that was that wow yeah. let's talk about how much you were do because we we covered all the different things you've done but i don't think we've really laid out the fact that you were doing a lot of this at the same time oh a hundred percent yeah hundo um, p <laughs> you know especially here because you were you had when by the time you were in new york you had uh at least dabbled in everything by this point you'd been doing stand-up for a while improv for a while and then you bring in sketch and you're going to multiple theaters and and performing and taking classes. So that is like a 40 hour a week job. I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. It's that's well, I'm sure you were doing the same, <laughs> same Not thing. Not like when you that. Came I mean, <laughs> when I, cause I've only been at magnet and yeah. after a while I got sort of over the open mic scene here. So I, yeah. I wasn't doing stand up as much unless it was like a friend show. Yeah. Um, that, and he was like, Hey, why don't you come on? But I, I did find an open mic that I like that's near me. But then, uh, when I didn't have practice on Mondays, I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go there. Then now that I have my Mondays open and, uh, then, then the pandemic happened. So <laughs> I have no yeah. idea if they're even still doing stuff. Yeah. I have no idea either. I, honestly, I didn't realize how much I was doing until the pandemic and i think my mm. body like crashed <laughs> for a few months um yeah i think every single night i had either a show or a rehearsal whether it was right. with the sketch team then executives was we had a show every friday and then we had mm -hmm. a right our rehearsal we had a writers meeting and then on the side i was also trying to put together my show and then rehearsing and performing my show mm -hmm. and i don't even remember outside of that the sketch and character and character shows were primarily what I was doing before that, but you're hundred percent right. It's, it was like a mix of classes, a mix of shows. And I think my attitude going into that was how do I meet as many people as I can? How could, how do I get as many like reps in so I can be like the best performer that I want to be? And I was really obsessed with making something good and 
um, I don't know, like get meeting people and kind of meeting the community and being a part of a community. And I think not that I would do anything differently, but I think what COVID showed me is that I'm way better off. I don't know if this is a personal thing or something that everyone can benefit from, but I'm way better off investing time into one thing and kind of taking the time and rest for myself. I think on top of everything else, on top of having a job, doing working on all these projects, you don't have a t- you don't have time to rest. And I think yeah. I turned into a little bit of a monster. Um, I don't know. I mean, ask around. We can. <laughs> I've not Probably. heard such things, but I don't know. <laughs> Depends who you're asking, I guess. But um, I don't. I wonder if the quality of like the work I was putting out, or or if I would be more proud of stuff that I was doing if I had scaled back a little bit. I think mm. I got. I very much got caught up in the rush of like, this is a community. I got to stay an active member of the community, or everyone will forget me, and then I'll never mm. be able to step on a stage ever again. Um, mm-hmm. That is so a real feeling that I think people have especially well not especially just like in in anything at a at a theater where you have gotten involved and you don't you don't want to have fomo you don't want to you don't want to be forgotten so it's easy to to think well i have to do everything then so that i can stay relevant in this and it it's not the healthiest mindset to approach doing this stuff yeah I a hundred, I a hundred percent agree. And I think I lost sight of why I did like, why do I even do it in the first place? I think there's a lot of folks who I see who they, they want, they want to be famous. Like the, the end goal is they want to be on SNL or they want, they want to be cast in this, in the, in the next sitcom, the next movie, they want to write something that's picked up by Netflix. And I don't know that that is the right goal for me. And I think I was a little aimless, you know, it's uh-huh. kind of like, oh, people are doing shows on Instagram. I got to do shows on Instagram. Someone did a funny TikTok. Oh, yeah. I got to make a funny TikTok. And, right. and I think during COVID, I was like, no, why do you like this? Like, oh, I like live performance. I like that feeling. Or I want to create something that's new. It's like, okay, how do I invest in that as a goal? And instead of doing doing stuff just because other people are doing like oh i gotta put my character real together so i can put it online so that people know that i'm also making a character real absolutely yeah yeah i I think um i think also one one thing that people forget is like before they're on daily show or snl they don't realize, or working at a late night show, they don't realize that these people have breaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a talk show is a daily thing and they get less breaks than SNL gets, but it's also a team that's, it's, it's not one writer and the host, it's a team of writers. So you can't compare you one person to an entire show and say like, well, I need to be putting out that level of content and that, you know, that, that volume of content. It's like, you, how could you, that they have a 14 person writing staff. Yeah. They have all these producers too, who are helping create this stuff. So it's a big machine and it's well oiled and you cannot compare yourself to that. And then also you got to think, you got to realize like, yes, SNL is a grind. We hear about how how rough and tumble the weeks can be and how it's just like nonstop and you hardly see anybody, but they do three shows and then they have two or three weeks off. Yeah. (laughs) That was the MO for a long time until last season. Yeah. And then they're not on during the summer. 
So they're not constantly doing that grind 100% of the year. They're yeah. doing that grind for 22 weeks of the year, which yeah. isn't even half the year. Well, I guess it's 22 weeks. Maybe it's uh, a little more. I don't know how the math works out, but it's like the school year, <laughs> basically. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you get three sure. months off in the middle of, of doing all these shows and uh, a lot of those shows have a bunch of weeks in between them. So yeah. you can't compare yourself to that. You can't try to work at that grind because you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah, 100%. And I don't think anyone realized that until COVID, or I didn't realize that mm -hmm. until COVID. And even even it, during COVID, I think there was a period of time where like, yeah, let's do online shows. Let's do a show on Zoom. Let's make a virtual show. And then about like two thirds into it, I was like, I can't, I can't do anything I, for, for yeah. multiple reasons. I mean, everyone has stuff going on outside of it. It was a traumatic mm -hmm. year for everyone. Nobody's right, right. talking about it. No one's no. talking about how messed up we are because I think we're still in it. That's mm -hmm. another tirade that that'll go on. But yeah, I think uh, telling myself that it's okay to not do anything for months was hard was hard but i think mm -hmm. it is good and then if great you think of something funny i think of something funny i'll write it down and 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 see where it goes from there but that pressure like i think uh, i know i was really hard on myself and i know a lot of the people who i've been on teams with are really hard on them are really really hard on themselves and that just sucks all the the fun out of it mm -hmm. i think or not all the fun but i you don't i i think i make the best, the quote unquote, the best comedy when I'm happy or relaxed and right. working with people who are excited to work together, not because, oh, we have to do this to put this up on something so someone can see it. You know what I mean? You're, you're touching on a lot of things because I witnessed that too, that at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of, okay, well, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's do that. Actually, at the very beginning, I was like, oh, it'll be a couple of weeks. It'll be great to just mm -hmm. slow down. Um, and then that kept getting extended, which I think increased everyone, everyone's anxiety, but then also distracted us a bunch. But then we tried to, there was the, those couple few months of trying to make the most of it and make, make the best of yeah. it. Because how many people did you hear say, hey, now you can write that screenplay or hey, now you can write that book and da, 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 da. And by the summer, there are a bunch of healthcare experts who are saying, that's not what you should be yeah, taking yeah. into the, you've got to take care of yourself right now, not find another way to overwork yourself. And your brain yeah. is also going through a lot of weird things right now. So don't try to now add on this thing that's going to be very difficult to do. I mean, if you're in a, a headspace to do it, fine, but yeah. it was... It, it was, uh, people did not take the health, a lot of people did not take the healthy way of dealing with it because we didn't know how to. Yeah. And then they bit off more than they could chew. And that's why so many things that had been started, podcasts or weekly comedy shows online don't exist and didn't exist by the end of the year. Yeah, it's tough. It and I, I admire folks for trying and I admire you folks also. I know that, that you, uh, or it was so cool to see, I know you, oh, one of your improv, uh, groups had split up and people were all over the country and to be able to give it, to be able to ha have an opportunity where you could all still perform together on zoom mm -hmm. 
was so cool. And I think that's the benefit of it. But to your, and I'm not discrediting that at all. But no, no, because I did it and, you know, it had its own downside. But yeah, there was something good about just and maintaining connection. It. It, yeah. It was also really important. But to your point, yeah, to, to put the pressure on yourself to sustain something weekly to sustain to to like make the next screenplay what was it there's a it's like well hey guy who was saying this or i'm this is so wrong but um it's almost like oh but picasso made the big paint thing during the the spanish flu or what <laughs> what was <laughs> yeah. it someone someone wrote I, I didn't see this but i don't remember <laughs> it's like oh someone wrote this really cool book the last time we had the flu and it was like cool so now we all have to come up with this this art we all have to come out with art now <laughs> we have to go with the best thing we've ever made okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, life was so different then we can't really compare to that either you know i know i know uh because life Mama. was slowed down then they didn't have the internet and so they <laughs> That's like so, you couldn't see everyone on tiktok and their hype right <laughs> having having to sit in your home because you're quarantining in 1918 was very different than quarantining now because mm. life was slower then you know they <laughs> i <laughs> love how you're trying to your... do every... that was a time period where people pretty much stayed in their hometown you know <laughs> like people weren't like moving all over the place and trying to do everything they were just very much like i've got to work on the farm yeah yeah no planes you can't go you can't go to right. you can't you couldn't go to fort lauderdale you couldn't go to florida <laughs> so there was a different pace at the time that quarantine was quarantining was much similar to which much more similar to so you know now uh people were at a different pace and then came to a halt and then were just doing everything on the internet, looking at everything, watching everything, taking in a bunch of stuff, yeah, and then trying to then create stuff like that. And it's it's just a totally different headspace. You can't expect someone to slow down as much. You're 100 percent right. Of course, someone was able to write a great book <laughs> in 1918 <laughs> a quarantine than. <laughs> Uh, the average person would really be able to now just because there's so much more I feel like is going on. Yeah. All right. We're so we're, we're all so much more plugged in. I, I'm mm -hmm. curious, did you have any, any points over the pandemic where you had to check out whether it was like, yeah, you had to disconnect from Instagram. You had to, we're seeing people putting out stuff or being on social media or being so connected like whether it's from a, a, a comedy standpoint or not, it, was there any point where you have to be like, no, I, I can't, I can't do it. That's a great question. I, I think I just automatically did that with TikTok from the very beginning. Yeah. Because I'll put it, I put a couple of silly things on there, but it very much was not born of, well, everyone's got a TikTok and they're all, you know, that's, sure. that's how people are. Maybe this, I can, Oh, maybe, maybe this can help me with that. Instead, it was just like, oh, I have a funny bit and I'll do it. And then I, I'm not thinking, I'm not trying to do a bit a day or, yeah. or something like that, like some people were. And I also just wasn't watching TikTok a lot because I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much of it was 
you know, teenagers dancing. So that was yeah. what I, the first few months I was like, well, I'm not even going to get that app because it doesn't sound <laughs> like I should be on there looking at that and um, don't have any desire to look at that. And uh, but uh, Justina, girlfriend of the show, who says hi, by the way. Oh, hello. Uh, she was looking at a bunch of stuff and she she was finding funny things on there and and dog related stuff on there and uh showing it to me and i even then i was like i don't want to watch as much content but um i uh eventually just got an account and was like well here are a couple of funny things on here and then like a couple of people i like got accounts and they were doing some funny things but yeah. i have a very still minimal relationship with tiktok and it i i think it was because i was already just from the beginning like there's enough stuff that I want to watch that I'm behind on and I don't yeah. need this right now. <laughs> like That's I'm like still well behind. Crafted <laughs> yeah. Storytelling. Yeah. And I, uh, I actually probably still have to do that. Okay. I just can't with yeah. um, trying to catch up on everything. Cause I'm almost every podcast that I listen to, I'm a year behind on um, shows that I like I'm a year behind on. <laughs> And I might just have to go, you know what? I'm never going to catch up on this show. I will watch a recap. Yeah, <laughs> you got something. Abandon ship on a few. How are you <laughs> so much content? I guess. There's so much content. And that was the other thing. Like at the big like last summer and the beginning of last summer. Oh gosh, there were so many people that were doing things and Magnet was doing shows, and I felt yeah. obligated to watch all of them. To, mm -hmm. as some sort of idea of support and it's like i didn't go to every show when i i could get free tickets to every show and i still wasn't going to every show why am i trying to watch everything now yeah it, it was just um there's not enough time in the day to listen to every podcast and watch every show and look at every twitch that, yeah. <laughs> that's out there and every youtube that's out there uh, and i i think it's I get caught up in that too, where it's like, oh, I gotta get, I gotta go to every show. But at some point it's like, okay, what, of course, yes, support your friends, choose one show a week where you're going to support a friend, but also, uh, I find, find, finding what you like is so important too. And what, making sure you're watching things you're, you like, and you're not just like, well, out of obligation, or I feel mm -hmm. like I should do this, like finding something that you like, and it's like, okay, I'm going to stick with this or thinking about why you like it and and continuing to, to pursue it and watch it. I think there's something to say. I know I get caught up in like, well, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings if I go to this person's show and not this person's show. And it's like, oh, mama mia. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and it, I actually had the same, I guess, experience with, with the content friends were putting on TikTok and Instagram for a bit where I was like, oh, I've got to, got to support. I got to let them know that I, I, think they're so great because I think they're so great and I don't want them to like feel like no one cares because I definitely care but there's just not enough time in the day to watch everything uh, and there's too much stuff frankly now <laughs> as someone who grew up when I did watching just whatever was on, <laughs> on yeah. uh, television yeah, uh, which was minimal. I mean, I remember when it got to like fifty-seven channels. It was just like on basic cable. Yeah, I, I that was what people were a little bogged down by that many channels, and so for us to have way more television channels and YouTube and yeah. every streaming service 
and podcasting and the and that and uh, i mean it's there's just too much out there I, I, we shouldn't waste our time with bad stuff and we shouldn't feel bad if we can't catch everything that's good why do you think we feel like because this is such a phenomenon that i i feel i feel a little guilty sucking up airtime on a podcast talking about it but it's such a real (laughs) (laughs) i feel it's such a real thing this like hive mind of we have to do what like we have to support the community we have to watch this content we have to go to the shows and i'm trying to figure out where it comes from and I've, I've been through a lot of therapy to like unpack why and hopefully i have like a healthier relationship with that sort of dynamic or or that like being obsessed with social like showing love on social media or showing love for your friends who are creating content so that they know that you care uh, instead of doing it in real life or like calling someone on the phone but i'm curious if you have any thoughts on where that where that need to either be a I don't know, make that comment on Facebook or on -hmm. Instagram or show up to that show, uh, like where that comes from. I don't know, honestly. I mean, when it comes to watching content, I think it comes from how we're sort of programmed. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were primed and ready for that because so many of us grew up on TV, right? You know, like just Mm -hmm. TV is the babysitter. But when it comes to supporting... I wonder if it's just like us wanting, like if I were in their shoes, I would want that support or something like that. And obviously a lot of it is genuine. I mean, you know, we're not saying things to people (laughs) that we don't mean. Yeah. Um, But why do we feel so anxious to share that we, that, that we saw it and, you know, like I got, you know, I don't know. I really, it's gotta be something. But I don't know why that is that we feel that anxiety over it. That's a form of social anxiety, right? That we feel that we have to make sure we support someone and and then reach out and let them know uh, that we saw it and comment and like. How many times? I do this all the time. I'll see something on Facebook and I'll like a picture, someone posting about something that happened or whether it's large or small, I'll like it. Then later when I'm on Instagram, I'll see the same post because they just posted it at the same time. Yeah. And I feel obligated to like it there too. You got to cross, right. cross promote. Yeah. Cross support. <laughs> I mean, I already I told them I liked it on the other <laughs> app. Why do I feel like oh, I've got to let them know that I like this? Yeah. <laughs> like ah. I'm a real good friend because. I liked it on both. <laughs> yeah, it's like MySpace top five. You've been promoted again. <laughs> you want to keep that top five slot. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know. And I wonder if part of it is like comedians, you want laughs. You want people to like you. You want people to think you're funny. So God forbid you don't do that like that person doesn't like you. That person doesn't think you're funny. I think we're all like a little... <laughs> We got a screw. Everyone who's a comedian has a little screw loose. <laughs> For <there>. sure. <laughs> I wonder where this comes from because I notice a lot of people who are looking for a career in comedy or, or entertainment. I notice how they are online when they are the the grinders who learned from some blog or some class they took about how to grow your career, how to post on social media, and 
how to present. And some of them do it in such a technical, almost businessy sort of way that I, I read that part of it. And it makes me not like <laughs> engaging. Yeah. Cause it's a formula, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a formula and you're like it, it, and then it doesn't feel authentic anymore. I've thought about this mm. too. It's like, what are the tips and tricks? And like the, and I, I feel like this is tied a lot to like, what is the trajectory? Like, how can you climb the comedy ladder to success mm -hmm. when that doesn't, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the issue that I have, um, this is okay. Let me step up on my soapbox. Uh, uh, when it comes to sketch and kind of, uh, uh, mm, okay, I gotta be careful with what I say. But I think that, uh, uh, especially when it comes to sketch, where there's this formula and um, potentially some gatekeeping going on to get onto a team to make sure that you write a sketch that has three beats that heighten and that are written with this formula. And I really, I really, th that also, I think is starts gets under my skin too. Right. So it's like, mm -hmm. it kind of destroys Same. the authentic authenticity. It causes you to get in your head. So you're not just thinking and focusing or following what the funny thing is. You're like, I need to follow, follow this formula. So instead of being yeah. yourself on social media, which maybe potentially could give you more of a leg up <laughs> instead of using the right hashtags to ride the right algorithm wave so that Instagram can send you into right success land um there's something about formulas and uh that contributes to lack of authenticity that makes things a like kind of, right it becomes business it, and business mm -hmm. is not fun although linkedin yeah. can sometimes be a blast but uh <laughs> <laughs> it's not all it's not it kind of yeah i don't it's know i bizarre, think bizarre right like, yeah yeah i i don't know it's something I'm still unpacking because it's still unfolding. And then also because the algorithms change, the formula changes mm -hmm. and uh, which is annoying. Um, but, you know, I, with this podcast, I want to promote it. And I think I'm used to promotion. I'm used yeah. to a television show having an ad. I get that. And I, and I get the polish. I'm, yeah. I'm accustomed to seeing how people put polish in presenting their piece of work. Um, and even, you know, that can get kind of gross, but there's, I have a, I have a threshold. I have a very high threshold yeah. when it comes to something like somebody's album or somebody's book or somebody's movie or podcast or stuff like that, I get. But when it's someone selling themselves as a personality so that they can get a leg up in their career, I have way less of a threshold to engage with that and to to take it in a bunch. And I yeah. and I think it is because it's inauthentic and you see the formula in it and it you in inherently check out. Because you know what the goal is, right? The mm -hmm. goal is like how can I get as many followers? What is the formula I need to to amass like some sort of social like digital mm -hmm. currency is what it, is what it is. And ah uh, I don't know. And it's hard because now my brain is being like, it, my brain is saying like, well, cool. They, they know what they want. They want a bunch, they, they want, they have a goal and right. this is the path that they're using to take it. And then maybe our personal preferences are, no, you know what? We respond to people who are different, but 
fully being themselves and that's what works mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for us but i definitely have moments know. like that yeah <laughs> where i where i'm giving them a, a like the benefit of the doubt of like hey that's what you got to do you know whatever they're trying yeah. to make it they're trying to have a career i am too i get it yeah but i a lot of the content rubs me so it's not really anyone i follow in all honesty there's like one person maybe that i follow where i'm like oh this guy is all <laughs> over the place He's so <laughs> oh, all over the place and I'm tired of, but yeah. it's for like, the most part, it's not like that, you know, <laughs> when it's someone I follow. Yeah, no, I understand it. And it's hard because I always, I never want to punch down on some, you know what I mean? I never want to right. kind of kick someone around, but I know that that doesn't resonate with me and that I can kind of see through it. And mm -hmm. I don't know that I've seen that work also. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, isn't that part of it is that like, you don't know what's going to work and, and one person put something out and for whatever reason, it got a lot of hits and then it got them a lot of attention and they were putting out bits a bunch and they're funny bits. So I get it. Like, like, for instance, a great example, Kyle Gordon, I have no problem with his online presence because he's not <laughs> shoving himself down everyone's throats, right? Like he's and not, it's, he's different. He's so funny and, di and different. And I think that is mm -hmm. also is something. He's all over the place in a genuine way where yeah. it's like not too much. He's not sure. like, he's not just following the algorithm so perfectly that uh, no matter what it comes up in my feed, like he's just doing stuff that's natural to him and it's funny. And so when I see it, it doesn't rub me the wrong way because it's just a comedy piece. It's not, yeah. it's not an ad for himself. It's, sure, sure, it's sure. Just I see what you're piece. saying. Yeah. Ah, uh, why do we do this? I know. I <laughs> and like the thing is, there's so many people who that is what they have to do. They have to sell themselves that much yeah. because their agent and their That's manager is telling them yeah. to, and they're saying like, "This is what everyone's doing now." So mm -hmm. I, I can't really front on them for that. Like that's what they are being told, and. Yeah shit you know everyone has to like succumb to that at some point if i if i get an agent then that agent might say hey uh you know like write a joke a day on twitter you know like yeah or, or do, a goofy do like, tiktok do some tiktoks <laughs> and i'm like uh i just want to do it at the right out i just don't think everyone should be doing it the same way or yeah. attempting to do it the same way i think you know i understand if someone needs to do it a little more than they do but I also don't understand uh, everyone following the exact formula yeah. <laughs> with such with such laser laser sharp focus that there's there's no authenticity to it and 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 is ultimately not enjoyable. It's just content. Yeah, that made me think of what I wish someone had told me maybe five years ago is stop focusing on what everyone else is doing. Stop like trying to, it almost feels like spray out in eight different ways to see mm -hmm. what catches, but it's like, figure out what your sense of humor is, figure out what you're good at, figure out what your lane is mm -hmm. and, and what you love to do and just lean really hard and in, in 
to that. And I think a lot of folks are just like, see what works, apply for everything, write every packet, <laughs> write five pilots, write a few specs. And it's like, but what do you want to do? What do you really exactly. want to do? And what will make you happy? And uh, we're all going to die someday. <laughs> so if I spend right. like eight, 30 hours a week on TikToks and then I'm on my deathbed, am I going to be like super amped about it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is it, I know not to make this super dark, but I've had enough time in COVID to really think everything through. And it's <laughs> it's too life is too short to do something that's not gonna make you happy. Uh, with the caveat that you gotta make your agent happy, you gotta make your manager happy, and hopefully right, you'll you find gotta you gotta love. play ball sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be at the expense of your health. I I, I think there is a anxiety inducing way that people engage with this and they shouldn't um you know like sometimes it can be simple it doesn't have to be this uh major thing but you do need to know yourself and know what works for you and do that stuff and that doesn't mean mm -hmm. like take the easy road i mean you can still work hard but don't do it at the expense of your well-being and yeah. um also like why are we creating so much content for billionaires anyway. <laughs> That's essentially what <laughs> so much of it is. It's just. Yeah. The next Amazon <laughs> ad. So Amazon can interact with your TikTok. And then <laughs> I'm curious, do you think that you found your, I don't want to say your lane. That sounds so lame, but uh, <laughs> what makes you the most happy with comedy? Do you think you've figured out what your strengths are, what you like to do, what you like to lean into, or is it still work in progress? I would say it's still a work in progress because I feel like I'm always still learning and I'm always like, oh, this person's so good. I wish I was on that level. I want to be good like they are, but not in a, um, I've got to be like this person and that. Like I've gotten a little past the like, um, oh, then I should be good at this and that and this other thing. Uh -huh. Like I'm, I'm past that. But um, the things that I admire and have always admired, I've identified the sort of stuff that I always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm always just like constantly growing and, and wanting to get better uh, at those things. And yet when it comes to how I engage, I was thinking about this recently, like if, uh, if I wasn't on a house team at Magnet, what would I be doing? Because I would want to be doing improv a good bit. Yeah. Like I just enjoy it as an activity. And um, I, I don't engage it in a um, got to be on a house team because that'll look good to an agent. And I got to, you know, got to that, <laughs> be on the takes, website. I right, need my headshot you know, on the website. <laughs> that's no way to be a member of your community, right? That's yeah. no way to be a good team player. You're not helping yourself or anyone else. And um, that's not fun. Like, is it true that having a house team, uh, being on a house team and having that on your resume will look good to prospective agents? Yeah. But also the fact that you did it before will look good to <laughs> prospective agents. Yeah. You don't have to do it now, especially right now where it doesn't literally doesn't matter doesn't because <laughs> what is going on you know like there is no one I, <laughs> who's going to cast and they're like no one in their right mind should cast based on well this person is on a house team now 
<laughs> they went to two live shows in the summer of 2021. <laughs> right. I mean, it just, yeah. it just doesn't matter. <laughs> and so, you know, do what I just say, do what's right for you. And to me, I love doing improv. And I think it's something that I am uh, constantly trying to up my game with just because it's exhilarating when it's fun yeah. <laughs> and uh and you're you're focused on the right things and you know it, it's it's that's where i'm at with that um finding my voice though i think is a, has been a little weirder because i'm like i kind yeah. of always knew it but also i don't necessarily know how to hone it and uh always give that you know like i think the best yeah. comics well i don't know maybe i i a lot of successful comics know exactly how to give you their voice. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I don't necessarily know how to do that. But not every comic is saying, well, this is what my voice is. And this is the exact way that it needs to be honed yep. um, or, or executed. Sure. I don't know that everyone is doing that. I don't know that Chappelle is doing that. I feel like, you know, like someone like Dave Chappelle is just a little different about how he approaches it so <laughs> yeah that's an interest i think because then it comes back to the formula right like this is my mm -hmm. voice so it has to hit these tenants and i think mm -hmm. your voice now could be different than your voice 30 years from now um yeah, yeah. uh i don't mine mine has significantly changed my 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 comedy what i find funny has significantly changed over the past year so i oh, identify wow. with the like what is what is my voice i have no idea i have no idea and <laughs> i have, have taken a little bit of a break from comedy where i'm like how would i even begin to start mm. testing it out again and how do i want do i want to test it out again yeah. soon in the, in the immediate future or yeah take take time to think about it but yeah, and what what direction would you want to go? Do you oh, want to do improv, sketch, and stand up again, or do you just want to do one or two of those, or you know what? Yeah, I don't know. I think this past year has been such a wake up call, just with personal stuff and like really going through life. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, and I don't know if it's because we're still in COVID or still a little bit dramatic, but I find sketch it's hard to watch sketch because I have the, well, what is, how is this serving me? How is this serving anyone? Like if there isn't a good, not if there isn't a good message, that's not something to, that I want to say, but it's like, it's like, if it's not something new or different or thoughtful, then what's the point for, for me, for when creating stuff. And it's been hard, really hard to watch <laughs> sketches because I'm like, I don't know the, all, all the things we've experienced in the past year. <laughs> All you can think of is a poop sketch. <laughs> it's so infuriating to me. This is my own stuff. Uh, uh, whereas the, on the flip side, I'm like, yeah, doing something dumb with low, no stakes that is borderline idiotic would also be fun. So <laughs> right now, I, I think I am drifting more to the land of uh, a stand up in a sense that I want to filter things through through a voice or through a point of view that is realistic um and kind of stay away from the the goofy character stuff unless it's like filtered through my voice um oh. or also produce i think a, my type a <laughs> personality <laughs> has made me uh, i think a decent 
pro producer, a, a decent director, a decent editor. Like I have, I, f I feel very confident that I have a good eye for stuff. Um, so yeah, the filtering thing. So I guess to answer your question, it's maybe something borderline stand up host hosting ish, mm. which I don't know what that looks like. Um, and then still, I love to direct and I love to edit and I love to produce and even at work, I'm like helping provide feedback on like jokes to punch up stuff. And, and that's been really fun and, and kind of taking a backseat in, in the comedy world, I think might, might be beneficial or like even healthier for me where I can still be involved. I can still like contribute to making something great, but I'm not the one who's on the stage, I guess. Right. Yeah. Ah, oh, who, Chase, I can't stop thinking about that. But I'm still, I still write notes on my phone and I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be funny yeah. if. Well, that's, I do that too. Cause I haven't done stand up in a couple of years, but I'll still write. I'll still, especially in certain phases, I'll just write a bunch of uh, stuff. I'll, I'll just end yeah. up um, having some ideas. And I kind of always, I'm not, I don't know that I'd be super prepared, but I could easily put together a set. And I kind of, I think there's a part of my brain that was like, if someone were to say, hey, go do some stand-up right now, yeah. just have something that you can talk about. So I'm sort of always, yeah. I think I just maybe naturally like to think of jokes or uh, ways to present stuff, but I haven't done it on a stage in so long. I know. Um, that, you know, I don't know. It's a muscle. It's such a muscle. Yeah, I will it is. say that I loved doing zoom stand-up i loved it i know people yeah. hated it i loved it because i i think the one of the stand-up shows i did was for oh, it was a group of us my friend had organized it because she knew someone who wanted to do fun like a fun day a fun corporate event for a law firm so mm -hmm. it was for 40 lawyers on mute no one unmuted Lawyer, all the all of these lawyers were, were were on mute and i just like shared a powerpoint like got really close to the screen and just did all this wacky stuff that you couldn't do in real life True. i didn't have to get on the train and <laughs> go to like an it wasn't like going to an open mic you know what i mean and i loved it i loved it so much and there's something about like Huh. going to that that was a little bit ah i think it felt safer because cool instead of wallowing in front of the instead of going to the law office and standing in front of 40 lawyers who may or may not be laughing and then ending the set and still being there and like sitting in it where i could just be like hey if it didn't go well i could shut my computer and if it went well i could say yeah good for me and still shut my computer uh, i think uh i didn't do any stand up on over zoom i did improv over zoom but one thing that i did do there was a um a friend was getting married and it was an improv friend from back home and they did a, a roast um oh, so of them and it, it, the old theater did a bunch of roasts and so for his bachelor party there was a roast element to it and i had a lot of fun with that and that yeah. that was the closest to stand up that i i thing that I did and I think I did enjoy that ultimately more than improv like what I enjoyed about zoom prof was just getting to see my team yeah. uh, and goof around but it just never really felt like even if you're getting laughs um because everyone was unmuted and encouraged to <laughs> to just laugh <laughs> um it wasn't as enjoyable as an activity. I think it, because it was so different than actual yeah. stage improv, where stand up, 
you're, it's you anyway. It's just you telling your jokes. And yeah. so you can kind of, I feel like for me, at least it, it's like I, it gave me permission to just say, screw it and just have fun. Yeah. Um, so I can see that being the thing with standup. I'm just like, whatever. Hey, we're yeah. in this. I'm, I'm going to tell these dumb jokes the way I do when I'm alone anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, the stakes like when are I'm rehearsing so... in my room. A hundred percent. The stakes are so low. The stakes are so low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. I love it so yeah. much. I know. What was, I can't remember. And then every five minutes be like, order in the court. Just like scream <laughs> to a bunch of lawyers who are already on mute. Did they laugh? I don't know. <laughs> it was so stupid. Oh, that's fine. Uh, um, well, sadly, we're at the end of the episode. Uh, and I, I say sad because I wish um, we could, we could <laughs> talk for another hour, but I'm I, not. I don't do a two-hour podcast. Um, but let's create something together. And the idea I have is uh, like a show idea. Like if, like what, what could be your next thing? You're going to do a live show. What could uh, it be? Uh, so what could been, we develop? Yeah, I, I've recently been obsessed. I, I love crowd work, crowd participation. And there was... Um, I haven't gone to my Matt Brooks is part of this. Uh, a friend of mine is part of. Mm -hmm. um, oh my gosh, it's one of the real Real Housewives of New York who's doing like a cabaret show, and the whole thing mm -hmm. is basically her talking directly to the audience. And there's something that is, you can you cannot not be engaged when you're a part of the show, and mm -hmm. the. So I've been thinking about that a lot. And have you ever seen? Um, what is it? Light? No light makes the baby go blind. New light makes the baby go blind. What is that? I don't know that. It started in Chicago, um, and it's a live state. It's oh, too much light makes the baby go blind, um, and it's thirty plays in sixty minutes where wow. they hang up like a one. I think it's one through thirty, like numbers on a clothesline. And they ask the audience, they, the audience gets a menu where one through 30, they list the title of each play. And so they have the audience yell out what number they want. And so there's an improvised portion of it where they have to grab, they have to try and get through all 30 short plays in 60 minutes. And it was so cool because everyone's yelling, everyone's screaming. Some of the plays like involve the audience members. Yeah. So it, does that work? Is that what? <laughs> so, so make that work, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, so if you were going to do that because you've done a, a solo show before yeah yeah would you do a hybrid show where it's something like that and you're doing stand-up i think so and that show i think there are parts of that show i was really proud of and parts of the show i'm like man we don't we don't need to do that anymore but <laughs> if there was a way i could involve an audience or bring audience on stage or ask a question and and I mean, it's almost like the musical improv aspect of it. Like, could you mm -hmm. make a song with someone? Um, there's another show, I think it's in DC that they do it where they have people come up on stage or like, um, uh, if you have a single friend, you come up on stage and you do a whole presentation about your single friend to help them meet someone in the audience. And there's some, <laughs> something funny. like that, which 
and it's hard because I'm like, I don't want to, you don't want to take that idea, but it's how can you incorporate having someone hype someone else up, right? It's really, it creates a super positive energy where someone's coming on stage, hyping their friend up. Everyone's there because they want to have a good time. It's like a very supportive environment. How do you Mm -hmm. recreate that? Well, and also, so yeah. So what if it's like, uh, uh, coaching somebody for, any kind of event, like uh, someone could say, uh, I've got to do a best man speech or I'm about to get interviewed for a job or something like that. Oh, that is so and funny. you can try to coach them in it. Um, <laughs> it's like a TED talk. It's like a personalized TED talk. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're trying to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, best practices for, it's mm-hmm, like uh, mm-hmm. under the lens of a like, business, and, like LinkedIn jargon. And they have to oh, tell you how so it went. Funny afterwards so like when you uh, if let's say it's a recurring show yeah uh, then you can uh, give updates on previous shows um, oh, that is so funny and uh and the name of it i even have a name of it <laughs> it could be skinner in the game skinner in the game <laughs> it does feel like best practices for excelling <laughs> at like something super jargony excel at your next <laughs> but you care about them you you care about yeah. how they do it you've got some yeah. skin in the game so yeah skinner in the game <laughs> oh oh <laughs> i didn't get it the first time <laughs> that is very good you got this skinner in the game oh god god bless that last name uh, you, there it is there it is it. we did it thank you so much jason <laughs> thanks so much for checking this episode out i hope you enjoyed it it was a fun one for us and why don't you follow jackie on instagram at jackie b skinner also check out her sketch group the executives they are nominated for some awards at the New York City Web Fest and we have a link in the bio for you to check that Web Fest out because that's happening soon, November 12th through the 14th. And you can check out the executives on social media. They are at the Execs Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also don't forget to follow us at There It Is Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Farr Picks and on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. More fun ups coming up soon. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.